0: The Digital Leaders Podcast, Episode 6, Russell Howarth. Technology is changing the way we connect, learn, and do business. On this season of the Digital Leaders Podcast, we sit down with some of the UK's most influential thought leaders in government, enterprise, and entrepreneurship to learn more about what they are doing to digitally transform themselves and the organizations they lead, why it matters, and what we can do as listeners to build our own prosperous Digitally enabled and connected communities. The time is now. The place is the Digital Leaders Podcast, and the future is digital. Hi, guys, and welcome to episode six of the Digital Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Tara Ferguson, the founder of the podcast production studio, SBT Digital. And on today's show, we sit down with the CEO of Nominate, Russell Howarth. Russell was raised in the UK and graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering from De Montfort University in Leicester before heading over to North America, where he received his MBA from Northwestern University. After over a decade of working in the US, Asia, and Middle East, Russell was keen to get back to his native UK and, three and a half years ago, took on the role as CEO of Nominet, the largest .UK domain provider in the world. On today's show, Russell shares the three things that drew him to the opportunity at Nominet, why and how Nominet is diversifying its business solutions in the cybersecurity registry and spectrum management space, their recent partnership with Microsoft, and what that means for connecting millions of people in both the US and the UK, and his plans in his new role as Chair of Digital Leaders. So without further ado, please welcome Russell Howarth. All right, so thank you for being on the show, Russell.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, I want to know, you joined Nominet after more of a decade working at Thomson Reuters, which is exciting because it's a Canadian company. Oh, yes. You worked in Dubai, Hong Kong, and the U.S. before coming back to the U.K. So I kind of wanted to know, why did you decide to come back to the U.K. and and take the helm at Nominet?
1: Well, good question. I I was there at uh, Thomson Reuters nearly 15 years, so it was a very great time at uh, Thomson Reuters, but being with a very large multinational, moving around the globe as I did, kind of gets a little tiring after a while. So I was ready for, I'd moved back to the UK and I was really trying to focus on a small business that would be a good fit for me. And Nominet, I think was a good fit for probably three reasons. The first reason is, uh, I don't know how well you know Nominet, but Nominet operates at the heart of the internet in the UK by providing .UK domains and provides the underlying infrastructure to ensure that those people who have got 12 million domains under management. So businesses and people, not just in the UK, but around the world, rely on uh, the infrastructure and the support that Nominet provides. So it's a really important business. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Nominet is part of the UK's critical national infrastructure also plays into Nominet's importance because it influences policy, internet policy in the UK, but equally plays a role in influencing uh, international internet policy so that was that was probably the first reason which is it's a highly relevant organisation in the internet space and doing some very important things in the internet i say the second one was when i joined the board had an appetite to diversify beyond .uk domains so i had a fairly broad canvas of opportunity to look at where we could diversify right um, Nominate's a well-capitalized, profitable business, uh, so we could invest in new business areas, and we could also invest in our core business. So, I had the opportunity to have a stable income from the core business, but also have a fairly well-capitalized organization and uh, enough latitude to invest in the new areas. And so... Uh, I was keen to put my mark on a business and so it's exciting to set a strategy and look at how we can leverage nominates key strengths to enter new markets, which we've done over the last few years, particularly in areas like cybersecurity. And right. um, and I guess the final part is you know nominate nominate when I was interviewing for the role of nominate, somebody told me that nominate's in the category of one. Um, and it feels like it is because it's a very unique business. Um how? You know, in very what sp- sense well we've got a really strong focus on being commercially successful over the long term but we've also got a really strong public benefit ethos and over the last 10 years we've granted over 45 million pounds to initiatives that aim to make the digital future more connected inclusive and secure and so those goals of hopefully impacting the lives of over a million people a year um really resonated with me and I think the kind of profit with a purpose philosophy not only resonated when I was interviewing for the role but, but um, I think it resonates with a lot of people in the organization so it's kind of three reasons and you know notwithstanding the fact that Nominate's got, nominates got a reasonably unique ownership structure or uh, corporate structure uh, which I'll come on to I'm sure as the conversation progresses.
0: So you mentioned a little bit about the opportunity to build out some of the business with the cybersecurity. And then I also know you guys have spectrum management and I wanted to know um, a little bit about a little bit more about those two areas of your business and how did you see those as opportunities?
1: Yeah. So taking a step back for a minute, we are the provider of .uk domains, as I've said earlier on, but we sell uh, via our channel, so GoDaddy, One and One, Namesgo, they're all major clients of ours, and uh, most of those channel providers are also members. And so we've got three thousand members, twelve million domains under management. So we've got oh. real scaling in our core business.
0: Are they all .dot um, uk domains?
1: Yeah. Well .dot uk .dot co uk .dot org .dot uk. Um, and so the list goes on.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. Got it.
1: Uh, everything ending in, uh, dot UK. Yeah. And so that market certainly for dot UK domains, dot domains has slowed and matured over time. So I guess an obvious question would be, why would you want to diversify? What, what's the point?
0: Right. And like you said, you guys were already a successful business really. Correct.
1: Yeah, we are roughly £30 million in in revenue a couple of years back, and we were roughly 30%, 40% EBITDA. Um, So it was strong foundations. But Mm -hmm. we were staring into the future and appreciating the fact that domains as a growth market has started to see its maturity. And... That's the reason why the board said, listen, if we want to be as relevant to the internet in the next 20 years as we have been in the last 20 years, we really to start thinking about how we diversify the business and grow in new lines uh, that we could capitalize on based on our foundations. And so that was uh, the jumping off point for me where I said, you know, there's really an opportunity here to leverage some of the skills that Nominet has at its heart, managing a registry and managing DNS, Mm -hmm. uh, which is core to managing a domain registry, so domain name system. And so on the back of that, we've tried to diversify into principally three markets over the course of the last couple of years. The first one of those is what we call registry services. And this is where we're providing clients who own domains. So think of .london, .blog. Or brands such as BBC, so .dot .BBC, right? They, they will own those domains, but quite frequently they want want to manage their own backend infrastructure. It's quite it's expensive, it's capital intensive, it's quite niche skills. Mm-hmm. And so, if you can outsource that to a provider like Nominate, then that saves you the headache of managing and investing in an infrastructure. And so that's why we provided you know infrastructure as a service to a number of different clients, and we've moved from a Kind of bit part player in that market over the last uh, three years to a top five player in that market. So we've really moved quite quickly into that by leveraging some of our core skills. The second area is, as I mentioned it briefly, but cybersecurity. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about Nomino is we run a very large domain, about twelve million domains under management, and so we've not only got to look at our own namespace and say how do we keep that secure. How do we look at our own network traffic and defend ourselves against cyber attacks? But on the foundation of that, we would then said, well, actually, we could do that. We could do it for other governments or other enterprises. And so what we've really looked at doing is saying, how can we take those tools and leverage them into new areas? And so we developed a SaaS-based tool that provides real-time threat intelligence using our world-class patented DNS techniques. Oh yeah! So over the course of the last two years, was sold to the UK government, NCSC. Really, uh, so multi-million-pound contracts, which are, you know, really prove the fact that we're able to add value to UK government and mm-hmm. help them tackle some of their cyber challenges.
0: And that's a very timely topic nowadays, as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether you're a small business or you're a government or a large organisation. Yeah, Everybody's very aware that uh, this is a new paradigm now where being online comes with its own cyber threats and challenges. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, As I say, by science of the UK government, that's a great test case, and we're trying to expand sales into large enterprises such as banks, uh, insurance companies, and the like. And you know, we're using this tool not only to keep ourselves safe, and we're doing that, but with DNS, the domain name system, being an attack surface, used in over 90% of cyber attacks, believe it or not. We believe that because we are a DNS specialist, we can help businesses defend themselves against the growing velocity and variety of cyber attacks. So that's uh, the second area where we've expanded into. And then the third area where we're trying to really get some traction in is by leveraging our registry skills to move into wireless spectrum management solutions. Now, that may sound a bit odd, but Mm -hmm. um, what we're doing is every wireless spectrum uses a degree of frequency. And so what we've been doing is working on how we best manage the frequency and the spectrum to optimize it for uses in rural communities in particular. So we started by getting licensed by Ofcom in the UK and more recently the FCC in the US to operate the TV white space spectrum. And that was a spectrum once used by analog TV. And with a range of partners, we can manage this spectrum to provide speeds of around 30 megabits per second to homes and businesses, but particularly those who can't be connected wirelessly by a conventional means. So, you know, if you're in the rural community in let's say Scotland, Wales, or the West Virginia, most of the typical conventional methods will require putting a line to your property, right? To the premises. That's just not practical in a lot of these areas. Um, it's very expensive, and even in the UK, we're finding that only the likes of GigaClear and a few others are willing to uh, invest energy and, and money to connect rural communities. So, I think that the TV white space has got some real opportunity getting up to reasonable speeds. It's not, it's kind of lightning fast, but 30 megabits per second is probably good enough for most. And we can connect rural communities with our wireless spectrum capability. And we we intend to roll that out with our partner in the US, Microsoft, uh, to over 4 million homes in 11 states throughout the US. So, I think that's a really interesting area where we think it's got real traction and and hopefully positively impacts lots of people who at the moment are struggling to get online.
0: That's so fascinating too, because, you know, living in a city, you don't really even think about, I don't think about people that aren't connected regularly. You know, it's just because it's not something that I experience, but, and you said, you know, 4 million people in the US. I was wondering, what are the stats for the UK as far as people that Aren't able to connect regularly. Do you know?
1: Well, it's so it's four million households, and that's only oh. in 11 states in the U.S. So, right. You know what, what I would say is most likely that number's significantly more than what we've identified already in the U.S. In the U.K., well, it depends on who you believe. The U.K. government have set a minimum threshold at 10 megabits per second, and their objectives to get up to kind of 95% connectivity. I still think there's a, you know, it's kind of the last 5% of the UK It's mostly in rural communities and harder to connect. So I think the opportunity is smaller in the UK, Uh, but equally we're working in parts of Scotland, for example, uh, Loch Ness, as most of your listeners will know, is a rural, fairly rural part of the world. Um, Mm And we've connected with our TV white space solution, not necessarily to make any real income, but to test that the technology works.
0: Oh, fascinating! So you've already launched there. Yeah. Cool. And the response is everyone very grateful.
1: Well, I think if you if you've never had uh, or kind of dial up speeds uh, and suddenly you can get twenty meg- megabits per second, then at a at a reasonable price, then uh, I think most welcome most to people the twenty first century.
0: Happy,
1: <laughs> yeah, most people are fairly happy customers, and it's you know it, it has real life impact. You know, when we start thinking about connecting schools so they can actually start to to get their pupils connected to online platforms to do homework and the like, to rural communities that need internet connectivity to order groceries. You know, it's real impact. Businesses that couldn't operate in rural communities had to work out of a more expensive city location. It really is kind of liberating communities.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it kind of, again, goes back to your profit with perfect purpose type of mantra.
1: Yeah, and that's part of the ethos of of Nominate, right? It's whilst we do fund initiatives that are in the public benefit arena and we want to do public benefit as a separate initiative. Equally, what's the red thread throughout the business is we do good business and we try and work in areas which we think we feel good about. And that's a classic way of When I talk about connected, inclusive, and secure, that's a great example of how we're connecting people in the future, trying to create that more vibrant digital future through increasing connectivity, inclusivity, and keeping them secure is a great thing to do. And that's what we're doing throughout the business.
0: So speaking of good things to do, how do you guys foster innovation at Nominet? Because I know you mentioned earlier that you, in the last 10 years, you have contributed close to $40 to initiatives that use tech for social good. So how do you guys foster innovation within your organization?
1: Yeah, well, so for a relatively modest-sized business, we spend a lot in research and development. So we've got some really smart people looking at the future of emerging technology. And we try to identify technologies, for example, that would benefit from a registry to support the authentication and provenance of data. And let's take a couple of examples of where that would apply. We we were toying around with, okay, so with all the drones now having a commercial use, who's registering all the drones? Uh, who's right. registering all of the smart meters that are being rolled across the, the UK infrastructure? We're not kind of commercialized any of that, but we have used those techniques to say, where's the emerging technologies and what do we really need to think about as a, applying those registry skills to markets that we think are growing and in need of registry capabilities. And increasingly what we're doing now is looking at how blockchain plays into that registry capability. So that's, a, that's one example. We're also, cool. Yeah, we're also looking at what we can do, again, leveraging our DNS techniques to develop more unique ways to tackle cyber threats. And so we've got an R&D team that's committed to look at how we can maintain our position as a leading cyber threat intelligence company using DNS. So we're constantly innovating as to what we can do with DNS to find new patterns, to try and find new analysis, to spot different ways of tackling and closing down cyber threats. So that's uh, another area. And then more recently, what we've done is invest in partnerships, and so one great example of that is a company here in the UK called Cylon, Cyber London, so that's the abbreviation, but Cylon's a company, and they're a cyber accelerator, so they invest with the help of partners like Nomina in early stage companies. So they're essentially an accelerator, but they're really focused on cybersecurity, And this gives us really good visibility as to what the innovation is in early stages of cybersecurity companies and gives us visibility on ideas and companies we might want to partner with. And that's really adding to the innovation pipeline.
0: That's cool. And then speaking of data, you guys also have you created the Digital Futures Index as well. And I know yeah. your mantra there is what gets measured gets done, or one of one of the things. So, and it's really actually an interesting index. And I wanted to know a little bit about why you guys decided to put some efforts behind that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it kind of lots of different origins that kind of came together. So, you know, you're right. The, the index is a project that tries to encourage debate on And really what we're trying to do is say, what are the things that are going to shape the digital future in the UK? And the approach was rooted in the view that technology is, in principle, a force for good, ambitions necessary, priorities must be clear, and, what, as you say, what measures gets done. And we've we've looked into key metrics that can help us judge whether we're setting the right course to realise a UK that's on the top of its digital game. And I didn't feel as though there were that many metrics out there that helped us judge that. And the idea is that this is a yearly index. We go back and measure it, and it's a quantitative and sentiment-based index. And so we've compiled views and working with experts from academia, business, government, education, and so on to identify the factors that will determine the UK.'s success, and then plan is to update that annually and explore whether we're making progress in cadence around investing for the digital future. And, you know, we've we got the right skills, we've we got the right policies, we've we got the right sentiment and confidence, as well as investment.
0: Right. Yes. And it's really interesting, too, that you're making it you know public so any organization can access it any individual can access it so they can use that as well to set objectives for initiatives or services that they are perhaps wanting to build as well which is which yeah. is cool because then it, it it shows that you have the country's best interest in mind when you make this information easily available you know that yeah. you want to collaborate with other people
1: absolutely i think you know it whilst it's proprietary data, it's we're very happy to share it it's online. People can just go on and kind of type in to the browser of your choice, um, nominate uh digital futures index and it will it will pull up the index and folk can have a look through. But it's great. I mean, I think it's a interesting perspective. We'll continue to refine and and update it, but it's a starting point and it's probably not going to measure everything, but it's it's measuring things that people have told us they care about or would be interesting to look at and will no doubt evolve it over time.
0: Well yeah so I was just curious were there any I mean you mentioned drones earlier and potentially creating a registry for drones and it says here that 90% of UK adults think drones should be registered so that's certainly something that people would want or do want. Um, Was there any stats that kind of came back that you were surprised to see?
1: I, one of them was around autonomous vehicles so the willingness of people to drive in an autonomous car was quite interesting the other one was
0: oh right that's 25 percent
1: yeah just I, for I, listeners
0: if they're interested
1: do you think that's high or low what's your what's your view were you surprised at that
0: um i feel like that's kind of high for the uk is that bad to say <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i don't um, know what do you think
1: yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. I have to say, I I thought it was quite, quite high, to be fair, given that most people have not even been in a Tesla, let alone a completely autonomous car.
0: Right, right. Okay, okay. One of the things that's interesting is in October 2018, you took on a new role as Chair of Digital Leaders, a national organization that seeks to raise the awareness of digital leaders and digital transformation within the UK. So I have two questions for you. Number one is, what do you hope to achieve in your new role? And how do you think this aligns with Nominet's goals as an organization?
1: Well, I guess what I'd say is every organization, it doesn't matter whether you're large or small, is going to be impacted by technology if you've not already. And what I like about digital leaders is they do create and convene a community of leaders who want to influence how technology is going to be a force for good through Mostly dialogue, but increasingly content sharing. So on their transform platform. And so I think that's a good thing. And, and getting people focused on the issues, talking about this, how it's going to impact their businesses, uh, I think is important. So that's, that's a great thing that they're doing.
0: And then I, I don't know if you mentioned, I think you did, but also it's free for people to access that information. Which I is didn't mention part. it.
1: Thank you for mentioning that. It is yeah, free. It, right? That's a, a huge, huge yes. factor. Well, and also the other component is it's national, right? So right. this is not a for the preserve of London. It very much is trying to operate nationally across the UK. So I think that's another great aspect of digital leaders. So, you know, and for Nominate, as a key player in the UK's digital ecosystem, we've almost invested interest to ensure that the UK is as successful as we can be as the digital landscape changes and the uk has the skills policy investment and confidence to embrace change which you know in the the, dare i say it, we've not said it yet so far in the discussion but with brexit we've got to also be more front-footed and sure-footed about where we're going to play and differentiate as we go into a just completely different environment both technologically and and regulatory so Hmm. i think those two factors do play into a country that needs to be more confident on where it's going to play and what uh, value it can add to the digital market of the future. You know, as many of those organizations, again, large, small, or government, most of them will be our clients in one form or another, either because they're small businesses that we provide domains to. and We can even keep them connected to the world, or the large enterprises or governments who want to buy cybersecurity solutions, or because they are individuals or small companies that are beneficiaries of grants who we're supporting through our digital initiatives. And, you know, part of that would be where we're providing digital skills. So right the way across the spectrum, we feel as though digital leaders has a positive impact in stimulating debate, convening folk and creating content that people can learn about what the impact of the digital landscape and the changes mm-hmm. will have on their business. So I think in many ways, there's a high degree of overlap between the interests of what nominate are trying to achieve and what digital leaders are going to try to achieve. And, you know, my role as chair, I hope, will be just to magnify the great work that they're already doing and trying to find out where more businesses can get involved in spreading the word. and. You know, there's lots of people involved in that journey, but digital leaders have got a great voice at the table and I think does a great job of convening leaders in the digital space, as as the name implies.
0: Well, you can start by just telling people about the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, we are going to go into our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you just a couple questions and you're going to tell me the first thing that comes to mind.
1: This is this is what I'm going to do. The tweet version, not the blog version, of the answer.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. So the one book I would recommend to all listeners is.
1: Oh, you're asking me that question? Yes. Okay. Yes. I've got to be on my toes a bit more.
0: <laughs> yes, one book you um, would recommend to all listeners.
1: Well, the one I love is. It's a book I've just literally put down, which is around uh, leadership in the digital space, written by a guy who I've just come from meeting with uh, Kevin Gaskell. Kevin Gaskell.
0: Gaskell. Okay.
1: It's top of my mind because I, I've just read it, but it's one of the few leadership books that have got really interesting takeaways. It's not like kind of written by some sort of crusty Harvard professor. It's lots of research. It's real practical stuff.
0: Okay, what's it called?
1: It's called Inspired Leadership by Kevin Gaskell.
0: Inspired Leadership. All right, cool. If you could have lunch with one person, who would it be and why?
1: Living or dead?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, either, either.
1: <laughs> right now, I would say I'd love to get a window on Theresa May.
0: Really? Which
1: would be, would be a very, I didn't think I'd say that until recently, but i just love to know what's going through her mind at the moment because we're on such a precipice from the UK perspective that having, trying, trying to have that off-the-record conversation with uh, Theresa May would be quite interesting.
0: That would be interesting, especially like you said, as we count down.
1: Yeah, and there's so much unknown in that that um, I think that would be, be good. <laughs>
0: I feel like you're not the only one that wants to have a conversation with her actually. <laughs> I feel like I've heard there's a couple of other people that would really like to go yeah. chat with her, yeah. see what's happening. <laughs> All right, so one thing people would be surprised to learn about you is
1: that I lived in the jungle for 6 months. There you go.
0: Really? Okay, uh, can I ask you was this with your family or were you without children at the time?
1: I was without children. This is uh, BC, before kids.
0: Oh, before kids. Okay. All right.
1: Bk.
0: Bk. All right. And last question. The advice I would give my 15-year-old self would be?
1: Do what you think is the right thing to do at the time. And don't try and plan too much because there's so many other things that can influence your direction of your life. So enjoy the moment.
0: I like it. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Russell. That is it for this episode. But I really appreciate you taking time to to chat and share your words of wisdom with us, and everything that you have going on at Nominet.
1: Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and um, I will no doubt speak to you soon.
0: All right. That is it for this week's episode of the Digital Leaders Podcast. If you want to learn more about Nominate and the Digital Futures Index, then head on over to our website digileaders.com forward slash podcast, and we have further links and information there. Next week, we are back with another phenomenal guest, so make sure you are subscribed via iTunes so you don't miss it that is it for this week's episode I'm your host Tara Ferguson thank you so much for listening and we will be back next week with another episode of the digital leaders podcast